My prayer this morning, Father, is a simple one, that you would heart for your word and a word for our hearts. Amen. So if you were listening to completely different stories, squashed into 10 verses. And for those of you who come to Bible studies, we're used to Paul taking one sentence and stretching it out for four or five verses. So there's really three stories going on here. And the first one is this. Peter's mother-in-law has a fever. She's invited everybody over for dinner, and she's not really able to serve. So they tell Jesus, and what does Jesus do? He heals her. And she serves them dinner. Then, I guess, word travels that Jesus has healed the mother-in-law. And did you hear who came to the door of their house? The whole community. The entire town came with their sick. And Jesus ministers to them all night long. Second story. And then the third story is the next morning, Jesus' battery is empty. And he needs to find a place to recharge. So I'd like to start off with an old pastor's joke. You may have heard this, you may not. Please don't laugh until the end. A church hired a man to come and paint the church building. Now, how did they hire him? The way that all churches do. They took bids. They had the high bid, they had the middle bid, and they had the low bid. And he was so much lower than anybody else, they had to hire the guy. But he didn't have enough money to pay for all the paint he needed. He bought just the bare minimum. And he began to paint the top of the church on his way down, and he realized it's not going to make it. So he took some paint thinner, and he added it in, and he started around, and he, he continued painting, and he realized he was going to have not enough paint, so he added more paint thinner. By the time he got to the bottom of the church, it was mostly paint thinner and very little paint. He stood back, and he said, you know, when it dries, it won't look too bad. And all of a sudden, clouds descended on the church. And a short burst of thunder shower just over the church came and washed all the paint off the church. And a voice from heaven came and said, Repaint, repaint, and thin no more. <laughs> you never heard that one before? That's one of my favorites. So. Here's, here's where we're heading, and, and I don't want this to be an ouch, but it might feel that way. Um, we're, we're going back to second grade. If you believe that God heals people today, go like this. I believe that. Now, you can't see this on the recording, but we're all in agreement that God heals people today. And then I have to ask the question, do you pray that way? Most of us are thinning our prayers like the man thinned the paint for the church. If it be in your will, when the time comes, we, we never, I don't say never, but we often forget the power that God has in healing and the power that he's given each and every one of us. I heard a preacher this week, I was just flicking channels on the, the radio in between books that I was listening to, and this guy made the best illustration of this. He said, you got a big check and you want to go to the bank and you want to get it cashed. But your regular teller, the one who knows your name, is on her lunch break. He said, are you going to stand there and wait for your teller to get back from lunch? Or are you going to go up to whatever teller is available and get the money that belongs to you? Because it's not the teller's money. 
It's the bank's money and you have the check. It's your money. And he said, people wait to say in their best church voice, pastor, will you pray for us? And every single person in this room, which is why we pray the way we do, has the ability and the power and hopefully the confidence in our Heavenly Father to prayerfully expect a healing miracle. Now, does that mean we're going to start a healing ministry and, you know, be on late night Saturday TV? Do you remember those guys when we were younger and they'd stick their fingers in the people's ears and pop it out? That's not where we're headed. Where we're headed is the church of Jesus Christ, lesson number one, if they believe that God can heal, needs to pray like they believe God can heal. Heavenly Father, we pray for this person. We know that you have the power. We have the authority. We pray for healing. We pray for a miracle. Now, a lot of people don't pray for that because they're afraid. What if God doesn't answer it the way I ask? Will it damage my ministry? Will it damage my witness? And I need to remind you that you are children of God. My children, when they were little, asked for the most outrageous things. Why? Because I was the dad. Once, and I will say this, once we were late to the movies. Now, do you know me? I am late to nothing. In 31 years, I have been late to two rehearsals at the opera company. And the first time they were all like running around. Is he okay? Where is he? Where is he? I even got to the opera company for a performance when I was in anaphylaxis. I went in and signed in and they said, oh my goodness, you look terrible. And the ambulance came and took me away. But I was on time for the performance. (laughs) Right? We were late to the movies. And it had already started. And my boys looked at me and they said, well, dad, tell them to start it over. (laughs) Right? They asked for outrageous things. You are allowed to ask your heavenly father for outrageous things. In fact, Joyce Meyer says that the problem with the church is they don't pray for the impossible like they used to. Moses is standing for an entire sea and he prays that it would be opened up that we can walk through. He prayed for food for two to three million million people to come every morning for 40 years. He prayed for water from a rock. That's just in the book of Exodus. My lips are not working. Exodus. We, as the church of Jesus Christ, lesson number one from the passage we read today is we have to pray expectantly. We have to pray confidently, courageously, and faithfully. Now, if you do that, lesson number two, what will happen to the front door of your house, this being the house of God? The whole town will come. That's what we want to have happen. The whole town will come to hear the good news, the evangelism, and to receive the blessing of God. Now, I'd like to play with this a little bit. I'm going to use what my preaching professor called my God-given gift of imagination. Some uh, translations don't say town. They say community. And I'd like to say that we live 2,000 years beyond the medical knowledge, the psychological knowledge, the sociological knowledge of what was going on in the time of Jesus. So we are not going to be the place where people go instead of the medical community. We're going to be the place that people go 
in concert with. Does that make sense? Right? Aren't you sort of glad that Dot took George to the ER for his kidney stones and not here? We would pray for George. We would pray confidently. We would pray faithfully. We would pray regularly. But we would all be a, a little dense in the head if we didn't take him to the place where people knew what to do. And I, I got to tell you, it frustrates me sometimes when we don't think of that as a community. We sort, sort of draw a line down the world. We've got the prayerful on this side and the medical on this side or the mental health on this side or the sociological. And we forget that the community is a community that we need to work together. So what does that look like? I don't mind praying if someone's in the hospital for the caregivers, for the doctors, for the nurses, for the person who comes up and takes the blood. Sometimes they're the person you see more than anybody, and they're the one you remember more than anybody if they can't find a vein and have to stick you four or five times. And if you've ever had anaphylaxis, and I don't recommend it as a hobby, they can't find any veins, and you come home looking like a pincushion. Those people need to be prayed for by the hand of God. The happy little person that brings in your tray <laughs> and your soggy toast and your runny eggs, right? We got to pray for that person. I, I don't know if you know this, but a lot of hospitals don't realize that the little lady that cleans your room sometimes gets better information about what's going on than any of the medical professionals. So we need to realize that we're not just part of a spiritual community, but we're in a community of medical professionals. So I'm going to pray for a miracle, but I'm also going to encourage you to go where you can get the best care. Now, we'll do the second thing. If that makes sense, you go like this. There you go. Now, in Jesus' time in Galilee, just above uh, the Sea of Galilee, the town of Capernaum, where was the best care being given? Where Jesus was. And if you have ever done nursing home ministry or uh, pastoral ministry or even youth ministry, and you've been to that place of emptiness, that's when we're going to get to the third story. But we need to take that first lesson to pray confidently and to expand, in my mind, the, uh, the circles of people for whom we pray. Uh, I've said this to my wife, and my wife has said it to me. Remember when we used to be heroes? During COVID, school teachers who were teaching online, and if you want, there is a YouTube channel with my name on it, and I'm dancing like a spider and spinning around like a grizzly bear and telling stories and singing songs because all I got was a little two-inch square of all my little second graders. And in between, I was hugging Vicky as she went off to the hospital to deal with COVID. We, we used to be heroes. Now we're back to being people that folks yell at and judge. But we need to pray for all of those heroes. Let me catch up with myself. So challenge number two is to expand your view of community. And then I want you to hear this. When I was a little boy, and I don't think they did it here, but I was up at Oakland Methodist, a man came through with a weekend prayer seminar. And he had this really cool, cool thing. I was about 12 years old. It had a book, and it had this magic pen. And, and instead of having to take notes, 
Whenever he filled in a, a, a verse, you just rad, ran the magic pen over it and the words appeared. It was the coolest thing. Of course, you know what all the 12-year-olds did. We ran through the whole book and did it all at once. You were supposed to unveil it one at a time, but he said something I'll never forget. He said at his church on Wednesday night prayer meeting, the community comes to pray and the community brings, you ready for this? Their checkbooks and their resources. He says, sometimes somebody will come and say, you know what? My car's dead. I can't get to work. If I can't get to work, I can't pay the bills. I'm afraid of losing my house or my family. And somebody at his church says, you know what? I got an extra car. Maybe my husband passed or my kids at college. And they say, here, take the car. God has answered that prayer through somebody's resources or checkbook. Somebody says, you know what? We got a big hole in the roof. You got a roofer in the church. Over they go. Sometimes we are called to answer the prayers of the people in the community. But if we never gather as a community or never share the needs as a community, we're missing the opportunity to bless one another. That really stuck with me. And I'm, I'm sorry to say that was probably 51 years ago, and I still remember that lesson because he said, we, the body of Christ, are as responsible to answer our neighbor's prayer as the Heavenly Father that we call upon to answer our neighbor's prayer. God works through the medical community. He works through the psychological community. He works through our community. Challenge number two is we need to live in community, heal in community, share the burdens of the community, and share our resources with one another. I don't know if you've ever been out to the coast of California. It's pretty crowded in some places and empty in others, and I really enjoyed seeing the sequoias. If you ever want to feel truly little, stand next to a sequoia. And then if you have a good tour guide, they tell you that sequoias do not have that big, huge root that goes all the way down. They have lots of little roots that go out as far as they can to gather the moisture required to feed that giant tree. And that one sequoia by itself is very vulnerable because of the wind and the rain. It will do what trees around here do in the wind and the rain. It'll topple. But when they grow together, see where I'm going here, in community, all of those root systems intertwine and it makes the sequoia stronger, more able to stand up to the, the, the buffeting of the world. We need to have a sequoia faith and to realize that we live in community. Now, the last story is probably the easiest one to preach on and the hardest to do. Now, please do not wave your hand. Look straight ahead. I don't want anybody to know anybody else's answer. But have you ever been too busy to recharge your battery? Have you ever been too busy to pray or too busy to read or too busy to take a moment of silence and say, Lord, where are we going today and what is the plan? Well, I, I was hoping that you wouldn't volunteer the information. I think, Jody, everybody has. And if you want to know who's the worst at it, it's the guys who are going to be serving communion. You can get so caught up in doing good that if you forget to take care of your relationship with God. Sometimes we are physically tired or emotionally tired, spiritually tired, relationally tired. 
And we need to pray, lesson number one, pray confidently, boldly, spiritually, faithfully, regularly. We need to live in what? Please tell me you got this one. Community, thank you, thank you. And we need to make it a point to reg, regu, I can't say it, regularly retreat, recharge, and refresh. Lessons that Jesus taught 2,000 years ago that are as current for today. Amen.